fathers on God level. Lord, we worship you. We honor you. We praise you. Lord, you are good. You are holy. You are mighty. We love you. It's your name that we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. May be seated, children, to Children's Church. All righty. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Children's Church leaders. Thank you, nursery leaders. Just want to say welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. It's good to be in God's house. Good to be with other believers. Good to be with those who are searching for the Lord. Good to be in a place where Jesus is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 21. I'm going to jump literally right in because there's a lot to do in this one this morning. Acts chapter 21, verse 1. Now it came to pass that when we had departed from them and set sail, running a straight course, we came to Kaz, the following day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. And finding a ship sailing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had sighted Cyprus, we passed it on the left, sailed to Syria, and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload her cargo. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way. And they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city. And we knelt down on the shore and prayed. When we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship and they returned home. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemaeus, greeted the brethren, and stayed there with them one day. On the next day, we, who were Paul's companions, departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear most precious Heavenly Father, Lord, in these, in these moments that we have together, Lord, I pray that you would decrease me, that you would increase in every way. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate this word, 
And I pray that we would have, have greater understanding of, of what your word is teaching us. Lord, I, I pray that we leave here changed. I pray that every time we sit under the, the preached, the taught word of God, that we're changed. I pray that we seek to live out our faith. And Lord, um, and Lord we, we, just, we just have you to thank for it all. For our lives, for our eternity, for your word, for, for, every, for every piece of it. Lord, that your will would be done in our lives. That we would be centered in your will. And that we would not want to be anywhere else. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We praise you. All this you most precious and holy name. Amen. So they had left those Ephesian elders. You remember Paul had called them together. And they had, they had left them. They left them in tears. They left one another in tears. And why was that? Because that was probably the last time that they were ever going to see Paul's face. That was the last time they were ever going to see Paul's face. And uh, so then they set sail. They got on a, they got on a ship. They got on a ship. And I, I think ships in that day were probably different than, in fact, I know they were different than ships of, in this day. And, uh, you know, he got very specific about the journey that they took. It's funny that everything consists of a journey. Everything consists of a journey. And this one, and this one they, sailed, they sailed by the islands, they sailed around the islands, but you know, they eventually would make the choice to sail directly across the Mediterranean Sea in open seas. And that, by the way, was a dangerous decision to make when you decided, but sometimes that was the, that was the best way to get there. A lot of detail, a lot of detail in the journey. So I asked Scott to come and uh, to share a little detail this morning of a journey that we just recently took. So on January 21st, a Monday morning, it was, as I recall, about 20 degrees out. We piled into a van. We, uh, seven of us in our faithful and trusty driver, Donnie, and we headed north. We went up to uh, Dulles Airport, stopped for lunch along the way, and uh, just sort of packed in that van with us and our luggage as we headed for the airport. Uh, we went in. We ate lunch, grabbed a bite, came out. By the way, it was still 20 degrees out. Um, and we knew we were headed to summertime. So you, you, you got to dress to not freeze to death in the van and, and all of that, but then you, you have to know when you get off the plane on the other end, it's summertime and it's hot. Anyway, uh, we made it to the airport. And, you know, in the, in the ride, in the van, there's this excitement, right? Because we knew we were going to Africa. We knew we were on our way and there's this excitement. And we, we made it to the airport we got through security by the way security was interesting because that was during the period of the government shutdown but we got through just fine worked out just fine 
and we were sitting in there, and if you saw the, the video, you could see we did a little time lapse of, you know, sitting in the airport. Raise your hand if you love sitting in the airport. Yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, we got on the plane, and uh, you're still, the excitement is there. You get on the plane, and off we go, and it's, whoo, and then, you know, like an hour into it, you're thinking, well, we've only got 17 more of these to go, um, but you're trying to get comfortable and, you know, settle in and find some entertainment or whatever. And uh, so about 17 hours later, well, actually 16-ish or whatever it was, we landed in Accra, Ghana to have some folks get off the plane, some other folks get on the plane, get a little refuel from the spray, the whatever that spray is. I'm not sure what that's all about. Um, but I looked out the window, and that airport to me looked like every one of those third-world airport uh, movie things you've ever seen in your life, and I'm glad we stayed on the airplane. Uh, we took off from there, landed in Johannesburg. It was now, what, 5-ish, 5.30 in the evening, 6.30. Got our stuff, got through immigration, got through customs, had some food, went and got our, our van, our 10-passenger van. Seven people, 10 passengers, luggage. Uh, we, we left the airport, and we had just a short 5-10 minute ride to, to the place where we would be spending the night. Um, but that was some of the most terror-filled driving in a long time because Scott was driving the van, and it's a drive the van on the right side of the vehicle on the left side of the road with a manual five-speed shifting with your left. It was entertaining. Uh, so we made the drive, got to, to BIMS, spent the night, uh, got up the next morning, grabbed some breakfast, and started six hours of driving in the van, stopped for lunch and to pick up groceries, and then the next thing we know, we were in Deepahani. So at this point, we have spent 25-ish hours in a van. No, it's actually closer to 30-some hours in a van, a plane, or a van. We got to Anastasia's house, we unpacked, we were like, all right, let's go to church. Boom, back in the van, 30 minutes down the road, we went to church, and that's how it started. Amen. And, you know, there's, like I say, there's a journey, there's a journey to it all. And, and sometimes the journey is, the journey is as important, is as important as, as what we're going to do, and, and yet you have to understand something. So, so Paul, is, Paul is riding on these ships, quickest way, quickest way at that point to get to, um, get back to Jerusalem, get back to Jerusalem, and you know what's going on here, okay? So, so Paul has, Paul is informing folks as he is moving towards Jerusalem, and what are people trying, what are people doing along the way? They're telling him not to go. They're telling him not to go. They're telling him not to go. Uh, let me take you back to Acts chapter 9 for just a second. Acts chapter 9, when Ananias was visited by God, and God told Ananias to go and lay his hands on, on this um, blind man named Saul. And verse uh, 12 of that chapter says, And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands, put putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. But down to uh, 15 and 16, it says, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine 
to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. That's the call that was placed on Paul's life. That was the call that was placed on Paul's life, and Paul was very clear about his call. Paul was very clear about, about what he was to do, where he was to go. The, 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 Spirit, the Spirit of God led him, led him in, every, in, in every direction that he went, even stopped him a few times, stopped him a few times when he was going one place, and the Spirit sent him to another place. Paul knew God's will for his life. But, but it's interesting the way, this, the way this dialogue goes. So we, so we see that they, that, they finally, that they finally get to Syria. They finally get to Tyre, where the ship is to be unloaded. And, 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 and in the midst of this journey, in this journey, it, you would get the impression that Paul was in a hurry to get to this place. But yet he gets to this, he gets to this place, finds disciples, and guess what? He hangs out for a few days with them. He hangs out for a few days with them. And, and, and you know, as you're, as you're going along the journey, and, and something we realize when we leave this country, guess what stops mattering so much when you leave this country? This thing right here. This thing right here. You know, we live, we live by this thing on this side of the country. They have this on, the, on, that, side of the, on that side of the world. This side of the world, we, we, we live by the clock. On that side, they have time. They have time. And, and um, we could learn some things from that. But this was, a, this was an emotional journey. This was an emotional journey that, that Paul took and that those that were with him took. And by the way, Luke's still with him. You still see the wheeze in there. So Luke is still, still with him, still describing describing this as and as they would leave people as they would leave people the people not only not only the men but entire families entire families went with Paul went with Paul to the ship went with Paul to the ship and and, and you know what when they got when they got there to the shore when they got there to the shore what does it say that they did they knelt down and they prayed you, you know something there is nothing there is nothing more important that, that we can do for one another, that we can do for other people that we run into. You know, before we walked out of that bed and breakfast yesterday morning, you know what we did with Stacy? We gathered around, we gathered around with Stacy. We talked to her about her life. We talked about, to her about, about prayer needs. And then we, right there before we left, we prayed with her. We spent time praying with her. And, and, and you know what? We do that a lot in this, in this church. We do that a lot outside of this church. We pray, we pray with people all the time. We pray with people all the time because you know what? It does matter. It does matter. And God's, and God's hand in a, in, in a person's life, God's hand on a person's life matters. And it goes on. And it says, when we had taken our leave of one another, we bore the ship and they returned home. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemaeus, greeted the brethren and stayed with them a day. And stayed with them a day, encouraging, encouraging one another along the way. But Paul knew that everywhere he went, people were going to be doing what? They were going to be pleading with him not to go. They were going to be pleading with him not to go. Why didn't they want him to go? Why did they not want him to go? Because you know there was a pretty good, there, was, there, there were good indications 
that the Spirit of God had spoken to people and, and, had, and, and had impressed upon them what was going to happen. And if n- nobody else knew, Paul knew. And he shared that, and he shared that. But you, know, but you know what? Well, let's go on. And on the next day, we, were, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of, the, of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. You remember those seven that were appointed because, because the church had, had um, one, way, one way that you could put it, that the, the, the folks weren't being served well enough. The folks, they were grumbling about, they were grumbling about um, the widows that not being taken care of and so on and so forth. And, and, and as a result of that, the seven were chosen. You remember Stephen was one of those seven. And remember what happened to Stephen, right? You remember what happened to him he, being full of the Holy Spirit, he, being full of the Holy Spirit, um, preached, a, uh, preached a pretty amazing uh, message. And at the end of that message, they stoned him to death. They stoned him to death. And who was standing there? Who was standing there at that time? Saul was standing there. And, and you know, they put their clothes at his feet as they, as they um, because they wanted to make sure they could throw those stones even harder. But, you know, God had his hand in it all. And now... This man, Philip, had four virgin daughters who prophesied. As we stayed many days, a certain, certain prophet named Agabus came, came down from Judea. And you, you know what? We don't know what those four virgin daughters prophesied. We really don't know what that message was that they prophesied. It was probably a message that also in keeping with what everybody else was hearing, with what Paul already knew, what everybody else knew, they were probably prophesying of what lay ahead. Remember what a prophet does. A prophet does two things. They foretell and they foretell. They foretell and they foretell. If they, if they foretell, they're foretelling, they're foretelling of a future event. They're foretelling of a future event. If they're foretelling, if they're foretelling something that only God could tell a person, something that only God could tell a person is being shared, is being shared. And, and so understanding, understanding what prophecy and, 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 what these, and what these folks may have been talking about. And there's Agabus, another prophet, who comes, who comes where Paul is and takes this, and, and the word says a belt, you know, when I think of belt, I'm thinking of this thing. Okay, well, belts were a little bit different back then. But anyhow, um, Agabus took that thing, and he tied up his hands, and he tied up his feet. And what he said was, the one who wears this belt will be bound in Jerusalem. Will be bound in Jerusalem. And so, and so it goes on, and it says, thus says the Holy Spirit, so, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind this, the man who owns this belt, deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, when he had heard these things... Both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. And, and you see that, that that's, been the, that's been the dialogue, that's been the conversation all along. Paul, don't go. Paul, don't go. Paul, don't go. So listen to this. It says now, and remember this. Remember what the call, remember what the call that was on Paul's life Remember, remember the call that God had placed on his life. And so, and so here we get to this place where Paul finally says, Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? He said, for I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem. 
for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying the will of the Lord be done. Look at when that statement is made. Look at when the statement, the will of the Lord be done. It's, it's after everything else has been exhausted, after everything, after they have pleaded, after they have begged, after they have absolutely begged. You see, you see, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God was not contradicting itself in its message, in the message of the Spirit of God. In other words, the people were hearing what was going to happen, and they were trying to stop what was going to happen, but the will of God, but the will of God is exactly where Paul was. The will of God was the place where Paul wanted to be. He knew he, knew he was safer in the will of God than anywhere else he could have been. He was safer to be there than anywhere else he could have been. And, but it took, but it took all of that, it took all of that, it took, it took all of, it, to the point that it, Paul actually looks almost to be exasperated by what everybody's saying to him. But he gets to this point, and they finally look at him. And since they know that his mind will not be changed, they know his mind won't be changed, he says so. And, and this is what, what Luke writes. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying the will of the Lord be done. Folks, I want to tell you something. When you come to... Mission Community Church, or when you, whatever brought you to Mission Community Church, whatever has, whatever has um, brought you through those doors, I can tell you it's the ride of a lifetime. It's the ride of a lifetime, it's the journey of a lifetime to be centered in God's will. And, and as, as your lead pastor, I have sought I have sought to seek the Lord. I have sought to do everything, everything possible to know what the Lord wants us to do, where the Lord wants us to go. Um, that's through prayer. That's through studying His Word. That's through, that's through listening to the church. That's through listening to people. That's through our circumstances, through all of those different things. I've, I've sought and we, and we as a leadership, and we as a pastoral team, we have sought the Lord in things. And, and, and so, so, so let, me just, let, let, let me just share with you, um, and, 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 and folks, understand this. It's not about me. It's not about me in any way, shape, or form. It's not about me in any way, shape, or form. So, so, let, me, so, so let, me, let me just say this. Let me, let me say this. First and foremost... First and foremost, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love my wife. Okay? Let's start right there. I love the Lord. I love my wife. May that not be doubted in any way by anybody. So, since January 1st, since January 1st, we've been to Africa. I've been to North Carolina three times. I've been to Baltimore one time. I've been to Johnston Willis. I've been to the VA. I've been to the Virginia Cancer Institute. I've been to St. Francis. We've been to we've been to uh, people's homes. We've we've done we've done community dinner. We've we've gone and we've and, and and you know what? Some people would say, "Well, that's what we pay you to do." 
And I, I want you to understand something. If I do what I do because that's what you pay me to do, then I'm going to tell you what. It's shallow. It's shallow. There, there's no depth to it whatsoever. There's no love to it whatsoever. There's no compassion to it whatsoever. But, but, I, but I tell you this, but I tell you this, and, and oh, by the way, I've been to the budget inn. I've been to the flagship inn. It's not, the, it's, not, it's not the greatest ride, but it's an exciting ride. It's, it's a journey, and, and, and you, know why, you know why I go where I go? And you know why I do what I do? Because I believe the Lord is leading in every one of those situations and in every one of those places. And every once in a while, you know what? i got to put my wife in the car. And by the way, did I tell you I love my wife? I tell you, I love my wife. I got to put my wife in the car, and I got to take her to some of those places. And and when I get out of the car, you the first guess what the first thing I hear is, click. That's the first thing I hear when I get out the car, is click. Because because you, you know what I, we we every once in a while we have to go to some we have to go to some rough places, we have to go to some um, that might even be considered dangerous places. You, you know what. You know what? I, I don't know what you heard. I don't know what you heard in that journey. I don't know what you heard in that journey that we took that, that, that Scott laid out for you. He's about to lay out the back half. Hang on. It's coming. The back half is coming. But, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, folks. As, as I think about Paul's journey, as I think about, as, as I think about Paul, go to, go to Philippians 1 for one moment. Philippians 1. This is Paul. This is Paul. Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ and die is gain. To live is Christ and to die is gain. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, for just a moment. 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Okay, so so Paul, you know, Paul is not Paul is not now, now to die for the for, to to go somewhere and do something stupid and get killed for it. When, when you didn't when you didn't need to do that, that's one thing. Okay, and, and we and we should never and we should never look at it in that way. But but to die, but to die serving the Lord, to die for Christ. You, you know what? I've already died. I've already died. I, I died the day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The day, the day that Pete Hypes said, yes, Lord, I want you in my heart. I want you in my life. I said, I said you know what? <laughs> now, I was, a, I was a teenager. I was a stupid teenager. But anyway, I was a teenager. And, and, and I'm not talking about the stupid part for the salvation part. I'm talking the stupid part. I was a stupid teenager. Okay. Um, but, but anyway, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for anybody. Uh, Jacob, I know you're about to hit that, okay? I just, but, but I was a dumb teenager. Okay, I made, I made dumb decisions. I made dumb decisions, okay? But praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Here I am, 58, still making a few dumb decisions. But I mean, but I'm, I'm 58, and praise God, and praise God, the Lord is everything to me. The Lord is everything to me. And making him known to people, making him known to people is the most important thing that I can do. And I know you say, well, you're the preacher. You're the preacher. That's what you do. That's why we pay you. 
please don't, don't, don't belittle me like that, please. Okay, don't, just don't do that. Just understand, just understand that it's, it's, it's so much, it's so much deeper than that. It's so much deeper than that in, in what, in what God's will is for my life, for this church's life, for your life, for, for what it is. You, you, you know, we talk about, we, we talk about, we, we pray. We pray for safety, and we pray for all of these, we pray for all of these things. And, 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 and you know something? I, 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 think, I think sometimes, because, because were, they not, were they not praying the same thing for Paul? Were they not praying the same thing for Paul? And by the way, by the way, he didn't die in Jerusalem, which is where they thought he was going to die. That's where they thought he was going to die. He didn't die in Jerusalem. He's going to lose his life for the sake of the gospel. He is going to lose his life. He's actually going to lose his head for the sake of the gospel. But praise the Lord, praise the Lord, Paul knew, Paul knew the call that was on his life. Paul knew what, what he was supposed to do. You know, have any of y'all heard of those 40 boxes I got in my garage? Any of y'all hear about them 40 boxes? Did y'all read my Facebook post? Some of you might have read it. Some of you might not have because some of you aren't on Facebook or you're not my friend yet. Um, but anyway, but, but so the 40 boxes, the 40 boxes, a big lick Baptist church in Charlotte, close to Charlotte, North Carolina, calls me up and wants to be a part of an ongoing ministry, wants to be a part of something. And, of course, Jeremy Telefero is the one I get hooked up with. He said, yeah, Pete, i got an ongoing ministry. Right now i got 1.6 million uh, refugees coming into uh, Uganda from the, from the Sudan who need clothes because all they came with was the clothes on their back, and they, they need clothing. And so I told this church, I even laughed when I told them. I said, I got you that ongoing ministry you wanted. I, I think you can probably make clothes for the rest of your life and never make enough. And um, so, so here it is. Well, they, then, of course, you know, they did what all churches do. They said, we'll do it one time. We'll do it one time and one time only. Okay, so, so, they, so they 40 boxes of clothes. I go to Durham. I pick up 40 boxes of clothes in Durham, North Carolina. Now, if you don't see God in this somewhere, I'm sorry. But anyway, I go to Durham. Becky and I go to Durham, and, and we pick up with a U-Haul trailer 40 boxes of clothes, and we bring them back, and we put them in my garage. And my, and my instructions from Becky was they got to go. Okay, that was my instructions. They got to go. Okay, so anyway, so I know, uh, you know, I've got that clear. So anyway, Jeremy finally writes me, and Jeremy says, Pete, you got to get them to Texas immediately. In fact, they need to be in Livingston, Texas um, immediately. And I'm going, have I got to go to Texas this year now? Have I got <laughs> you know, and I'm trying to figure this thing out. And, and so the next thing you know, next thing you know, I'm, I'm at wit's end. I, I don't know how I'm going to go to Texas. It's going to cost me over $1,000 to go. And, and, and so I'm sitting here going, what, what do I do? So you know what? Um, and I don't know if the Lord led me to do this or I just did this. I put it out on Facebook to all my Facebook friends. I said, I just want you to know. I even put it out to my Africa team. I put it out to them. And it's funny. It's funny the way people want to handle things. And it's funny the advice you'll get. Because some of the advice I got was, well, there's a good ministry over here that'll take those clothes, and there's a good ministry over here that'll take those clothes, and there's good, you know, all this kind of stuff. But nobody's saying, nobody's saying, 
hey, Pastor, I, I know your heart. I know you want them in Uganda to those people that they were, they were designated to go to, and so on and so forth. So finally, so finally, my buddy Shing, my buddy Shing in Maryland writes me and says, you know what, I've got this connection with J.B. Hunt. Contact him. I call Arkansas. I didn't know I was calling Arkansas until just the other day. I figured out I was calling Arkansas. I called Arkansas the other day, and I've been talking to this guy named Spencer. I've been talking to this guy named Spencer. Spencer is a great guy. I want you to know that. I want to go meet Spencer. Spencer's a great guy. Spencer looked, Spencer on the phone told me, he said, you know, Pete, I'm going to make it my mission to get your clothes to Texas. Make it my mission, because they got to be there by mid-March. Guess what? This week is mid-March. Okay, so, so anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not panicking, but I'm panicking, okay? And, and I'm sitting here saying, that these clothes got to get there. So, so anyhow, and so anyway, Friday, Friday, now Friday was just an interesting kind of day, but Friday, in the midst of everything else that was going, Good News Club in the morning, I didn't tell you, you know, I go to Be- we go to Bellwood every Monday morning. And oh, by the way, you're, you're invited, you're invited. And by the way, guess how many children have come to Bellwood in five weeks? Guess how many children total have come to Bellwood in five weeks? One. Now, some of you would say, why are you still there? Okay? Come along with me, and I'll show you why. But anyhow, so, go to Bellwood, go to Bellwood. The next thing you know, um, I get, Spencer and I get to talking. And Spencer says, and Spencer, so Spencer hooks me up with this, this group of people, and I take care of this piece. And then Spencer sends me the rest of it and all this. So Monday, tomorrow, to, tomorrow I will take those 40 boxes of cloth, clothing to 1200 Commerce Road in the city of Richmond to Estes Trucking, where, where Spencer has worked out that they'll be palletized, they'll be shrink-wrapped, and they'll be loaded, and they'll be sent to Texas. And I sent a message to the lady at the other end in Texas, and I said, the clothes are coming. Don't let the container leave. And, and the container, by the way, is at a, at a drill and auger place in, in Livingston, Texas, and the, the clothes will go in there along with other things. It'll be closed up, and it'll be put on a ship, and then it will go to Africa, and those clothes will finally make it to Jeremy in, now, I'm going to tell you what now, did you see God in that anywhere? Was God, was God in that anywhere? You, you know, and, and I sit there, and, and you, you know what, there's a lot of people have been saying a lot of things about them clothes, and the one thing that, that, that they've attached to those clothes is there is one, there's one goofy pastor attached to that, you, you know, how, how did, but say that again, Becky. Okay, and so, so yes, so, so as I wrote Jeremy, and I said, Jeremy, they're finally going to be shipped. Because poor Jeremy, he's over there in Uganda. He can't do anything about getting those clothes from Virginia to Texas. And, 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 from, and, and so, but Jeremy writes me a note. He says, Pete, a thousand children have just showed up in the refugee camp. And most of them have nothing on. Most of them have nothing on. How timely is it for these clothes? And, and you know what? It's not, believe me, believe me, my missions, my missions philosophy, my mission strategy, the, the, what the Lord has shown me and taught me is, is that it's, it's got to be about the gospel. It's got to be about the gospel. But every once in a while when a humanitarian crisis arrives, arises, you know what? We get in the middle of somehow, some way, some shape, some form. I don't know how I ended up in the middle of this. I am in the middle of this. I'm going to try to get out of the middle of this, but I'm going to tell you what. I've watched God do something in the last few weeks that, that only he could do and hook me up to people and do things like that. And, and you know what? It ain't got nothing to do with me. So, Scott, come tell the rest of that journey. 
we worked daily. We worked mornings in a school or a daycare or a clinic. We worked the middle of the day in homes, working, walking through the, the village, meeting people, sharing the gospel. We worked in the evening back in church. I will not speak for the entire team, but by the time it was time to leave, we were tuckered out. <laughs> we were exhausted. So we climbed into the van again for the 11th time that week, and we took off. We had a night in a, uh, a, a place along the way, and then we got back in the van again the next morning and drove to back to Johannesburg, to BIMS, to the, the missionary housing. I think I've spent more time in that van in those two weeks than I have doing anything else since then. There's a lot of time in that van. We were tired. I mean, we were worn out, which is the, the right kind of thing. To, to go on a trip like that and not be just worn out, to me, means I, I, did, I didn't do something right. Um, but we, we got back, you know, and during the, the trip, during those two weeks, various parts of our team had various ailments and illnesses and uh, painfully discomfortable, uh, just stuff that goes on. Uh, we got back, we got into BIMS, we had some food, we got up the next morning, and this is where the story is my personal version of the story. We got up the next morning and we went to go get breakfast. Uh, there's a tradition amongst these teams, there's a place called the Mug and Bean, great bottomless cup of coffee, great bottomless cup of hot chocolate, and some good food. We went to breakfast and um, by the time we got there, I knew there was something seriously wrong with Scott. Um, I was sitting in this restaurant, and it was, I don't know, 70 degrees out, probably, something like that, shaking, shaking, shivering, freezing. And then I had to go to the restroom, and that was out the door, around the corner, and over there, and I had to walk through the rain, so that was weird. Um, but I just, it, it kept getting worse. And did I mention I was the guy driving the van? Yeah. So I'm getting sicker, and the, the van driving is more fun because it's heavy traffic. Um, ultimately, that day, as we're trying to pack, as we're trying to get ready to go to the airport, as we're trying to get ready to come home, Scott had to go to the doctor. Scott had to drive himself to the doctor. And uh, it was a weird thing. You know, one of the things that sticks out in my mind is that the doctor's credentials uh, included his stint in a business school. A business school. Um, nice guy. He was one of the nicest 14-year-olds I've ever met. Um, you know, gave me some treatment, gave me some fluids, gave me some antibiotics, gave me some of this and that. And uh, I had missed meeting with Kurt Holiday, one of the IMB missionaries in, in country there. And, and by virtue of that, Paul and Clyde also missed meeting with uh, Kurt Holiday because they came along with me at potentially much peril to their own life with me still driving the van. Um, we got back, we, we packed, we headed to the airport, we got to the airport, dropped off the van, we went and we got something to eat, we headed to the plane, and when we got on the plane, it was 
exhaustion. It, it was, I mean, there was, there was joy in the things that had happened. There, and you know what I forgot to mention was the, the, the bit about where, where Paul, and, and, and when they would leave, everyone would be sad and weep. Well, we had one of those too. When we left Anastasia's house, there was, there was crying and weeping, and, and, and then everybody else showed up with me. And, but because we had spent time with these people, we had spent time, they were family. And so we, we don't know when we will see them again. So we, we departed, and it was, it was hard. And we got, so all of that, we get to the airport, and we get on the airplane, and we're all scrambling to find seats. You know, Pastor Pete seats us strategically. So there's four seats and an aisle, and there's two seats, and down both sides of that four-seat section, team member, team member, team member. Team. So we've got the aisle seats in the four-seat section. So fortunately for me, there was empty seats between where I ended up and where Pastor Pete was, and so I took three of the four, laid down. It was another trip to Akragana, and then another trip to, um, to Dulles, and we got off the plane. Turns out it had not warmed up at all. So we had left 80s and 90 degree weather. We got here, and it, was, it had snowed the night before, and it was cold. So fortunately, our coats were still in the van. That worked out pretty well, um, but it was an exhausting trip. It, it, to me, the trip back is exhausting, you know, because you're already worn out. You're already exhausted. Now you're on the plane for 19 or 20 hours, and you're traveling, and uh, and then in the van. It was a very quiet van ride home, I think, for the most part. Um, but again, thank you to Donnie for taking us and coming and getting us, and Bobby who rode with him. But it's a lot of travel. It was a lot of travel. So let me end this with this. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. Folks, we, um, we're on a journey. We're on a journey in this church. We're on a journey. We're, we're on personal journeys. We're, 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 on, a, we're on a journey. And, and whatever that Whatever that looks like in your life, whatever the will of the Lord looks like in your life, that's what you want. That's where you want to be. That's where, that's where, that's where you are the safest and the most secure that you could ever be. And by the way, I, I didn't say, I didn't say there wouldn't be danger. I didn't say there wouldn't be peril. I didn't say that there wouldn't be um, things that would come. But in, the hands, but in the hands of an almighty God, in the hands of, of God himself, where else would we want to be? And, and folks, I'm going to tell you this. When, the, when, when I feel like the Lord is telling me something, especially about where we as a church are to go, we're going to go until he tells me elsewise, otherwise. Until he tells me no, that is not what you are to do. We're, go, we're going to go, and, 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 sometimes, and sometimes folks get frustrated with, with some things. Like I said, Bellwood's tough right now. Bellwood's tough right now, but I, but I almost, I, I can sense the Lord saying, now that it's gotten tough, what are you going to do? 
What are you going to do? Because there's a whole lot of let's run and let's go away. And let's go somewhere else and let's do something different. And you know what? Going somewhere else may be the answer. There's a club, there's a club in our ministry area that needs a church to take them on right this moment. But you know why we didn't take that on? We didn't take that club on because no one stepped up and said, I'll do that club over there. So we kept what we're doing at Bellwood. At Bellwood, at Bellwood, one child in five weeks. Now, I'm going to be interested. I'm going to be interested because I met with two pastors um, this past week. I met with two pastors and I told them, sitting at that table, I said, gentlemen, this is a wake-up call. This is a wake-up call. This is what we're experiencing. This is what's going on. What will you do? I'll be interested to see what tomorrow morning looks like. There's two more weeks, then they go on a three-week break. They're year-round school. They're year-round school. We're just trying to figure that thing out. At the end of that three weeks, we're going to go back. We're going to go back whether there are children there or not. Because you know what? We're committed. We're committed that either we or they need to take on that school. Need to take on that school. The darkness is great. The darkness is great. We learn about, we learn about more every single week we go in there. We learn about difficulties, we learn about challenges, we learn about struggles, we learn about things going on in that school every week we go in there. Tell me God's not in the midst of this. Tell me God's not telling us. We pray every morning we go in there. We pray every morning we go in there. And every time we pray, we learn something new. We learn something new. We need to be praying for our schools. We need to be praying for Bellwood. We need to be praying for Marguerite Christian. We need to be praying for these schools. Because the enemy does not want a good news club, i.e. the gospel, being shared in that place. And we need to be, and we need to be where God, where God wants us to be. I don't care how difficult it is. I don't care how tough it is. But we gotta stick it out. We gotta be where God wants us to be. Let's pray. Dear most precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we love you, we praise you, we honor you. Lord, um, Lord, I thank you for Paul's. I thank you for Paul's journey. I, I, um, Lord, he was determined. He was determined to go where you were leading him to go, no matter what the end looked like. And Lord, Lord, I pray, I pray that we would be that intentional with our faith and with our walk. Lord, that we, that we understand how important it is to be centered in your will, how important it is to follow you, to follow you in everything we do, to, to live for you, that this world knows, that this world knows who we are, and this world knows whose we are. Lord, um, that you would be glorified, that you would be exalted, that you would be lifted up. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving, saving our lives. Thank you for Jesus for all that you did to pave a new path back to God the Father. The price that you paid on the cross at Calvary was sufficient, was complete, was enough. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for that. 
all this you most precious and holy name. Amen. Let's stand together. I don't know what you've heard this morning. I don't know what God is saying to you. Maybe you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here this morning, and you need to become a member of this church. You need to get on board with what this church is doing. Maybe you're here this morning, and, and you, you've gotten lax in your walk. Whatever it is, the altar's open. You can come. You can pray. You can join this church. You can, you can get saved if you, need to, if you need Christ in your life. That's what this is about. <coughs> Mm-hmm. <clears throat>